Hey, welcome to the Dead 3 Coaching Podcast. I'm your host, George Evian, and welcome to Episode 7. Excited to get this going. Hope your week is going well. This is our Tuesday release. We uh, try to release these every Tuesday and Friday, so appreciate. Again, we typically start out with just kind of an appreciation. Uh, just really appreciate all the support that people have been giving our podcast. And the only thing we ask for kind of a payment for the podcast, and people have uh, been kind with this, is I uh, typically post this on LinkedIn or Twitter. If you could just reshare that comment, like, um, and some people have reached out to me on Instagram, actually had some people reach out to me on Instagram and we had some great conversations in there and just some, uh, you know, I guess, thanks for me putting this on and thanks for people and a back, uh, to thanking people for listening to it. So I really appreciate those conversations and please reach out to me. Um, you know, if there's something that resonates with you or, or um, or something that we could start a conversation with or anything I can help with, please reach out to me. Um, LinkedIn and Twitter and Instagram are ways to do that. You can see those in the show notes and uh, would love to get the, uh, get that connection going and the conversation going. So appreciate all that. Um, again, one of these things, didn't know exactly what we would talk about today um, and wanted to make sure that we got some things going. So um, as we kind of get going, I didn't know exactly what we'd be doing. Um, I'm going to pause this for a second. I've got this countdown clock that I told you about in episode three or four. There's my buzzer. So now we're off and running. Uh, so to keep me on point, I've got this clock that my, uh, dad sent me to keep me at 40 to 45 minutes. And so I, uh, wanted to make sure to get that going. So that's the buzz there, but, um, didn't know where we would actually go with this episode. Uh, many times as I start these episodes, don't know exactly what we'll talk about most of my day is uh, consuming content. I wouldn't say most of my day. I do have a professional job that I do um, to collect a paycheck, but uh, do in the mornings consume content. And, you know, whether that be uh, YouTube or LinkedIn posts or uh, the people I do connect with on Instagram and things like that. So some things are starting to get sent my way uh, and things that kind of move me or trigger things in my mind. But the thing, uh, this is actually an original thing. I thought about this today. I was listening to Ben Newman's podcast, and he was kind of doing a 2022 year in review and just going through some of his guests that he's had on. Um, and he, I, I don't know the gentleman that he had on. I don't know who this was that was talking, but they were talking about just building teams and building culture. Right. And those are kind of buzzwords right now. And this gentleman even was talking about that as well, that these buzzwords of culture and team. Um, but he was like, how do you build an elite team? How do you really build an elite team? And he started talking about these were his words, right? Just about, you know, te uh, teammates and members of the team. And it was talking athletically, but he's really, you know, this is again, this is a very much an athletic centered podcast in terms of content and stories and things like that. But these are things that I carry with me to my teams professionally and the things that I do um, off hours and on weekends with uh, building, you know, young athletes and trying to build, uh, you know, different uh, teams that I'm working with. But here are the things that he talked about in this uh, one thing. And I'm going to hit on something that I feel is unique. I haven't thought this before and just kind of wrote it down in my own little notebook here. But, you know, team members that are vulnerable and learning to trust each other and patience for one another and learning to instill confidence in one another. Right. And so those were the things And this professional athlete that works in the NFL was really talking about those things about, man, how can we be vulnerable so that I could share and communicate things I might be struggling with? You know, the thing that immediately came to my mind was I was thinking of Kevin Love. If you don't know who Kevin Love is, he's an NBA player. He's been in the league for 
15 plus years, played at UCLA with uh, Russ Westbrook, but another, maybe a year ago, two years ago, Kevin Love came out and was talking about um, and wrote an article, I believe, for The Athletic where he was talking about some of the mental challenges that he had, some mental um, issues, right? I don't know how else to phrase that, right? I, and I'm, 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 I'm missing the word exactly, right? Mental health. Right. So just mental health issues that he was kind of dealing with, but being able to be vulnerable enough to share that, share that with your team, share that with your coaches, share that with front management, share that with him by writing a letter to the athletic where he's sharing it with the public with, with a newspaper or with an online uh, platform, right. That now is consumed by everybody. And I remember it going viral that he was one of the first people that came out and said, Hey, I struggle with this. Right. So, but that's vulnerability, right. Being in the locker room and saying, you know, I've got this going on in my life. I've got this going on in my head. I've got this going on physically and I need your support, but really having a team where you can feel safe to be vulnerable. So what, what is your professional team like on those fronts, on these things? Right. And I do have a, a, a some thoughts on this, but what I was thinking about was, man, I think about my professional teams, what I do. I'm in the software world. I work with you know, software team, software products, getting things out the door, right? But can you create an environment where you're vulnerable in the professional world, where you're, where you feel safe to do it, where you feel safe to have these conversations to help one another, to help build your team? I think vulnerability is really important. Vulnerability of, I don't know everything, not just a vulnerability of, hey, I'm struggling with this, or my kid's doing this, or I, you know, uh, or I'm dealing with mental health issues, like Kevin Love said, right? I don't like wh wherever that intersection, wherever you feel safe to share those things, that's cool. But just a vulnerability of, hey, I'm in this position and I'm supposed to be said expert and I'm the subject, I'm the SME, the subject matter expert. And I don't know, but I'm here to help. I'm here to support. I'm here to, it's okay. Like, do you feel safe? Do you have an environment where that is safe for you? right? To do that. Then the other one that he talked about was just learning to trust each other, right? The, we talked about in our last episode, episode six, where we talked about being connected, building trust, um, understanding goals and ambitions for your team, um, understanding the standards and values that we currently have for this program, this organization and our team, and then ultimately being accountable to it. And then to co continue to co uh, quote coach K that accountability immediately brings confrontation and being able to handle those tough conversations. So go back and listen to episode six, but learning to trust each other, being able to be connected, being vulnerable, building a safe environment, being able to ultimately trust one another, that I trust you, that this is a safe place that I can say this, do this or whatever that I trust you to do it. Or it's just a trust in skill. Hey, I, I trust you. Like, Hey, I believe in you and I trust you and you're really great at this and you're going to go sell this to that customer and I trust you or as a leader, I, hey, I trust you to do this, right? So being able to learn to trust one another, being vulnerable, learning, to, but then a patience for one another, right? How much, how much being patient, like if you're the leader and there's people that aren't patient, then supporting those people to become patient with them. It's like, I, and I feel like I actually do this a fair amount, right? I do that with my teams, you know, that I work with, you know, off hours. I do it with the teams that I'm with when I, when I'm having like kind of these conversations, like, Hey, this person's trying, 
This person's really skilled. This person's new to this. This person's figuring this out. And you've got to learn to be patient. The thing, like, let me give you this example. My wife does a great job, right? And uh, with, with a number of things. But one thing that she started this year that I really is, is really great is she wanted to get our children out of our comfort zones, out of their comfort zones, right? So it was the idea of, okay, our daughter's going to do this because this is out of her comfort zone and she needs to get better at this. And if she was really good at this, this would move the needle for her doing this. So it was that conversation. Then it was the boys of, hey, this son needs to be better at this. Then it was our oldest son. And our oldest son is loves his comfort zone and is very obviously very comfortable there in his comfort zone. When he gets outside of his comfort zone, then it's uh, very frustrating for him. He shuts down. He doesn't scream, yell, throw a tantrum or cuss at anybody. He just kind of puts a wall up, puts a shell up, gets uh, body language changes, and he does all this sort of stuff, right? Where it's just like, okay, you clearly only like doing what you're good or great at when we ask you to do something different. So the deal was, hey, we're gonna do something every month to get these children out of their comfort zones and to expand them and to show them that they, like, let me use the, the theme of seven episodes here, but to get them to their next level of greatness. Our children are great. And I'm not saying that because they're my, all, your children are great. Like we're all, we have great kids. How do we help them get to their next level of greatness? Well, one is to get them a little uncomfortable, right? So the point, of our oldest son, his name's Camden, and he likes to be in his comfort zone and he likes to do what he's great at. Um, and that wasn't good enough for us, right? So how do we stretch him? How do we get him to embrace being uncomfortable, being comfortable, being uncomfortable, right? The, the topic of, of, of confrontation and, and uh, conversation that we had the last episode. So what we did was this, we took him, ice, uh, we took him rollerblading. We took him roller skating actually and he did rollerblading so when we got to great skate here in the st louis area and we went to great skate on uh last weekend or something and we rolled in there and i'm just like oh my word like th this place is packed and there was like you know so, uh, you know a whole bunch of parties going on and, uh, and some people and my and and all our kids went i'm just going to focus on the on the one kid for the reason we were there right he wanted no part of it but he had a good attitude about it so he puts the skates on and he can't stand like he can't stand on his skates and he stands, falls over and slowly over time, over an hour and a half or so, he goes from not being able to one, not even be able to put those suckers on to two, not being able to stand to three, not be able to move. So we ended up like being, you know, four feet apart, my wife and I, and he would go back and forth and then we'd take steps back and he'd go a little further and a little further. And here he is at 14, 15 years old you know, essentially baby stepping, walking you know, that you do with a 12 month old back and forth between two parents. Right. And so, but by an hour and a half, he's going. So this is what I, the, the tie this all back to patience. He's really good at certain things. And on occasion has zero patience for people that are just beginning at what, at basketball, let's say. And I, and I tell him, I was like, Hey, they're just beginning. And you need to have some patience with them because one, they're beginning. You've been doing this for a long time. The, the phrase is even at, at one point, Michael Jordan was called a beginner. Michael Jordan's the greatest basketball player ever to play. And at one point he picked up a basketball and was a beginner. So you're a beginner at rollerblading or 
roller skating or ice skating, which we did as a family a few weeks ago as well, right? Where he struggled, right? So these new people that are coming to play basketball, right? And they're brand new. Like you need to have some patience. You need to maybe empathize, understand that they're beginning, understand, understand that maybe there's a passion there, an interest there. And it's okay if they're starting in eighth grade, ninth grade, 10th grade. What you need to be is maybe be that spark to coach, to teach, to lead, to inspire, to motivate, to encourage, and to acknowledge improvement so that when they're older, and even if they, what if they get older and are really good and they can sit back as a 22 year old and say, you know what? I had a great high school experience because of that person, because of the encouragement. They were really good. So it's this idea of patience for one another patience for one another because I can take my kid to the roller derby and he's going to get lit up because and maybe those people won't have patience for him. Oh, I don't want him to be on my team. And how does that make him feel? So circle this back to the professional world. How can our development teams, how can our sales team, how can our manufacturing teams, how can our whatever teams continue to show patience for one another? Now, is there patience for somebody that is willing and able and passionate and work ethic and commitment and, and time, you know, are we going to show that patience for that person or the patience for someone that doesn't care, not interested, hurting the team, not putting in extra work, doesn't care, bad attitude, bad body language, bad effort, right? You, you, without question, show your fuse is much shorter on that type of person. But man, the person that really wants to crank it out, the person that wants to be great, the person that may not have the skills yet, show that person patience. If that person's on your team, then you take them aside, you work with them, you show them patience, you show them understanding, you show them and you give them acknowledgement and you know the pat on the back and all that sort of stuff, right? So the patience for one another, right, um, is really important that they said here. And then Here's the one I really like from this, this gentleman that gave this talk. I wish I could credit who it was. This is not me. There is some original thoughts that I had here. Um, but this is, comes from uh, Ben Newman's podcast. Um, but I like the idea of showing confidence in your team professionally, right? So there is the confidence of, here's how confidence works to me, right? And what I'm trying to do with young athletes, but also the lessons. I, I learned so many lessons from young athletes and it all makes sense for a 15 year old as it does for a 50 year old. It's the same thing. People are going to have confidence in things. And this is a, I've said this before in the episodes here recently, but the, the confidence that you have, it grows as you honor the, the promises you make to yourself, confidence grows. So if my son to give a, a sport analogy, wants to be a good basketball player and he is waking up every day at 5 30 and getting to the gym and he does that over time and over time and he honors the promise that he made to himself then he starts to feel good about himself and he starts getting results the only way you build confidence is by it's like this is a bad example but the example i have given before is confidence come like i ask kids like how good are you at tying your shoes well I'm a 10, like I'm an expert. You're 15, 14 years old and you're an expert. Can you do it blindfolded? Yep, I can do it blindfolded. We blindfold them, we watch them, man, they can tie their shoes in under five seconds. And the confidence, you know, could, could you tie somebody else's shoes? Yep, I could do that too. Meaning you could do it backwards, not even facing. So in a different position, you're an expert at that. Yeah, 
Why are you so good at that? Why do you have so much confidence that you can do it? Why in a room of 30 other kids do you feel you're the best at it? Why? What gives you that confidence? Well, I have that confidence because I've been tying my shoes since I'm four or five. Okay. And then when you learn to tie your shoes at four or five, were you great at it or were you a beginner? Well, I was a beginner. How long? Like I messed it up all the time. Did you have somebody showing you patience? Did you have somebody showing you how to do it correctly? Or the first or second or third or fourth time that you tried to do it, did they just end up doing it for you or did they get after you or did they show you no patience or they did they tell you that you that you weren't good enough? No. Like I had people that cared about me, my parents. I had other people that cared about me, other family members and or friends or other and they showed me how to do it. It seemed to be the same as what my parents showed me and they were patient with me. And when I didn't do it well, when I didn't do it well the first couple times, they didn't let me quit. So now as a 10, 15 year old, my confidence is through the roof and I think I'm an expert, right? So you have to instill, but you've got to be, so you, there's the confidence that you have in yourself that you uh, buy. And you will only do that by putting in time, by doing things correctly, by then getting the results you want. Right. And then there's this whole thing that um, Ben Newman was also talking about with a, with another, a different guest where he was talking about results and behaviors, right? You want different results. You got to change your behaviors, but how do you get people to change their behaviors when people don't like change? Right. So there's, there's a science and an art and a coaching and a leadership and a conversation to that. Right. But as it relates to this, you want to be able to have confidence in yourself. And then one, you've got to be able to develop the confidence in the people calling the shots, the people signing the checks, that they believe you can do it or that you're capable or that you needed extra responsibilities or you're, you, that you're ready for this, right? So it, let me circle it back to the to a coaching uh, and a basketball related or just a coaching in general. You can have all the confidence in the world. You know what? I get up every day at 530. I shoot 500 threes and I've done that since I've been 10 years old and it's what I do. And now I'm going to go play. Right. And, and, and I've got all the confidence in the world. So whenever I catch it, I'm going to be able to shoot it. And I know that, and, and I could miss five in a row, but I'm going to shoot the next one because I believe in myself because I've put in the work. I do it correctly. I've put in the grind more than anybody else and I'm going to do it. And I believe in myself. That's all great. And you need to have that 100%. What's equally or as more important is to have somebody that would be your coach also have a higher confidence in you or as equal confidence in you, your ability to execute on something. And that, what's that have to do with the professional world? Well, let me, let me continue. Let me put a ribbon on this or a bow on this, right? That I could believe it at, at all. But if I have a coach that doesn't believe in it as much as me, they are going to sit there and say, I do not want you to do this. So they ha don't have that confidence. To give an example, my son, I think, is actually a pretty good shooter. And when he plays for me, I, his, his com my, my confidence in him is matched with his confidence in himself and other people he plays for. Right. But he's playing for somebody now that literally this weekend told him not to shoot the ball. So his confidence is high. The coach that is now leading him, his confidence is lower. And ultimately, what that could do to him is lower the confidence he has in himself. What's that in the professional world? So does that kind of make sense? So what that does in the professional world would be this man, I believe in myself to be able to do this. 
to sell this, to sell a car, to sell software, to execute, to deliver, to lead a team, to whatever it is. Like, I believe I could do this. That's great. And you need to have that. You need to, and, and hopefully you are strong enough to not let anybody talk you off of the confidence that you have in yourself, because hopefully the confidence you have in yourself is built on repeated repetition getting the results that you want that you just continue to hammer at home so when you you just can't get ready for an opportunity when the opportunity is given to you you've got to be the opportunity and the things that i'm prepping for in my life right now may not come to fruition for two more years i may not get that opportunity but hopefully i'm ready for that opportunity right my son may not be called on to hit a game-winning shot or have a play called for him until he's a senior in high school but you don't get ready when you're a senior in high school. You start shooting those shots now so you're ready when the opportunity is presented, right? So you've got to be that person. And then you've got to make sure that the, 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 your leader, your boss, the CEO, CTO, CFO, whatever it might be, is as confident in you as you are in yourself. So do, uh, the question would be, you as a leader, do you put that confidence on your people? Do you instill confidence in one another? So the confidence in yourself, the confidence in the coach or the leader. And then if you don't have confidence in, in them, do you, what is your language that you don't have confidence in them to do a task? Because if you're just sitting there telling them not to shoot, then their confidence is down. Their confidence will naturally go down. They'll think they're not good enough. They'll think they're not smart enough. They'll think they're not skilled enough, whatever it might be, as opposed to, in your mind saying, I really don't want them to do this. They believe they can, but how can I continue to have them work towards that? And how can I sell it in such a manner that there's a better, uh, there's better results that we're looking to get as opposed to, Hey, you're not good enough at this. Don't do it. That language, right? So what can you do to, and then, and then if you do have comp, I'm telling you this, this is what I believe. And I'm, and I know it's all sport related and athletic related, but I do believe this. You can make somebody more confident and better. You can, what if you as a leader had an elevated confidence in somebody, even than they have in themselves, even when that confidence they have in themselves is actually really high. What if yours was higher? I believe in you so much to do this. When you don't do this, I'm going to get after you because you are so gifted at it. Like there's a lady that we work with and she's really good. She's really smart, really articulate. And when we do, like when we do reviews, uh, when we do demos, it's called a demo. When we do a demo, I always look forward to her demo. She doesn't really say too much publicly in other meetings unless really called upon. When she does demos, she is one of our best. I believe it. She's got a tone. She's got a knowledge. She's got a language. She can communicate. She can really show off what is being, what is being demoed. Um, she can sell it that she, they've done great things. Like she's really good. She, her confidence is not, she doesn't think she's that great at it. And nobody's ever, nobody. Nobody I, that I have heard has ever encouraged her to that. I remember the last two or three times that we've had demos. I've sat there and tracked her down in the halls or when she has walked by or when I, she's been in me. I'm like, hey, you are so, so good at that. 
You elevate everybody in the room. You elevate the team. You elevate the product. You do. You are so good at it. And that just makes her feel good. So her confidence goes up because I'd like to see her do more and have more of a voice because she's just so good and so talented and so smart. But so what would it be like if you can you elevate people by instilling that confidence? Like you got to do more of this. That was really good that you did this. Or you've got to like, if you don't do this, then I'll come down on you because you're so good at it. We're not going to miss opportunities for you to get those reps. And then they're going to be like, oh shit, like I'm really good at this. And that person really believes in me or may. And now I start to have more confidence in it. I think that's so important. The last one is, so I think that's yourself and your coach and your leader, your CEO and your whoever your boss is, if you want to use that phrase, right. Of instilling confidence, but there's also the confidence of your teammates, the people you work with. Go put so-and-so on this because I know they're going to knock it out. I know we'll get it if they do it. You're the best. Or when things don't go well, if things don't go well and you don't get the sale, but you have people around you that believe in you, that have confidence in you, and you're sitting there saying, hey, it's okay because you're, you're the best we have. You're the best at this, and you're going to knock it out of the park, or I'm happy to learn. Like, I'm learning a lot from you. Like, the confidence of your teammate to essentially take the last shot or take the most important shot, or to take a lot of shots, right? So you, I'm saying shots in terms of like athletics and basketball, but I'm also sitting around like, what shots do you have that your team is sitting around saying, the teammate, the team be believes in that person to take a lot of shots, they're to take a game-winning shot, because they know if that person gets the game-winning shot that they're going to win. And then when it happens, the confidence of the team, the confidence of the person, the confidence of the coach, all that lays out, right? So I think that's this, this, this coach, this gentleman, you know, had these, had those things. If you were just a pluses on those things, vulnerability and creating a safe environment that where people can be vulnerable and really, and that allows for a deeper connection, a deeper understanding, a deeper uh, appreciation for where people are, what they're dealing with, where they're going, issues they may have, lack of confidence in certain things and all that. And then you learn to trust one another. You have patience for one another. And then you instill confidence in one another. Man, if you did those things, right? If you had, if you built those things in this team, right? This gentleman was just saying how, how great those teams are. Like there's the, you know, the forming, the storming, the norming, like all this sort of stuff. And that, that's not the order. Those are three of the right. I think there's four, four phases of building a team. I'm sorry, I don't have those right now, but it is like storming and norming and forming, right? And then like just kind of cruising. Right. I know, I know that's not one of them. Right. But just killing it. Right. And so the, those are the phases that you kind of go through when building a team. And so you've got to go through all this, even though the professional world, when you're sitting around and you don't think this stuff matters and it does building a new team, getting somebody on board, making them feel valued and that they're contributing and that they're doing meaningful work and that they, people are vulnerable and people understand where people are coming from and people have confidence in one another that they can do the great job and people that can problem solve and communicate well, and people that don't blame and have ego, right? That's all part of building and forming, forming a great team. And all this that this guy is talking about, and he was just talking about, imagine if we were just great at all this. Imagine if we were vulnerable and imagine if we trusted each other and we were patient with one another and we instilled confidence in one another to just knock it out of the park, what our teams would be like. All that's happening in all of your teams, all of it. Man, there's nothing worse in the world than probably going into your place. Think about your company. 
and you're rolling in there and you know that nobody has confidence in one another or so-and-so doesn't have confidence in leadership or so-and-so doesn't have confidence that it, so-and-so can sell this car or that can do this or whatever. And that there's no patience for one another. So everybody's on a short fuse and everybody gets anxious and everybody's frustrated and everybody's blaming because nobody can really sit down and say for the people that are really willing, that are putting in the work, that they have a, a, a crazy level of patience for one another. Right? So your team is doing all that. So I'd encourage you as leaders to do these things off, off of this list. And then I'm going to get to one thing uh, that, that, that resonated with me with all this. How vulnerable is your team and how vulnerable do they, are they? But the reality of that is what kind of environment do you have set up to where people can be vulnerable? Two, how, how do you have a, a, a culture and environment where people are learning to trust one another, right? And the last one, and the third one is patience for one another. And then the last one is the confidence. Are you building those, those pillars right there, according to this guy to build your team? So this again, impacts me and how I work with my teams. And here's the, here's the kind of where this led me. And I, and he may have said something like this, but this is how I took it. I don't know if I've heard this before or where I impacted from in my brain. Um, but the thing that I've said is all this is culture stuff. It's team stuff. It's your culture. It's your standards. It's how you run. It's, it's how you run and organize your team. It's how you, uh, what you acknowledge, you know, what you get, you tolerate, you know, all this sort of stuff, you know, that, you, that we've talked about before. That's your culture, the standards, right? The values, right? So this, these are all culture things man, we've got this safe place where people are vulnerable and people are willing to share and uh, be open about where they are, that, that we trust each other and that we're patients with one another, patient with one another and that we instill confidence in one another. That, that's, like, if that's, that's your culture, that's your energy, that's your vibe. But here's the phrase I wrote down right underneath this in my notebook. Our culture wins the games. We may, may not be as talented. And I'm talking about games. Like, like, that, like that's not athletic. Everything's a game to me. I like I sit there and, and my boss kind of chuckled at me last week because I, I had, you know, eight hours of meetings and I literally was telling him like, I, hey, I grade every meeting. These are my games. Like we had one meeting at eight o'clock that I graded a D minus. We had another one that was a C minus an hour later. We rattled off three that were A pluses. And then we had one later in the afternoon that was kind of a, 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 a B minus to a C plus. And I, and, and then we would kind of had this conversation about like, Hey, why do you do that? Like, that's interesting. Like, yeah, I grade everything. Like we can't have D plus meetings. We can't have D plus meetings that I'm facilitating. We can't have D plus meetings that we don't get action items. Like it's a game, but our culture wins those games. So you've got to, we've got to be able to, as leaders, as management or whatever you want to call it, we've got to be able to have such a culture that we're always getting the sale. We're always moving forward. We're always instilling confidence that we're always moving people forward and that our culture is going to win those games. Like, hey, we just got, we just sold 45 cars this month. We just did this. We just got this software out the door. We just did this and we're doing it with, you know, different players, different sales teams, different developers and engineers, whatever it is. Yeah, but our culture is always going to win those games for us. Our culture, our environment is always going to get those releases out the door. Our culture and our leadership and our environment and how we are as team and individuals and how we trust one another, are patient with one another and have confidence in one another and the culture we have, we're always going to win. And our culture and our team dynamics 
is why we win. And it has nothing to do with having Michael Jordan. It has nothing to do with having the best salesman that you've ever had. It has to do with our culture and our environment. So do you have, do you have a team or an organization or a program where you're sitting around saying our culture wins these games? Our culture wins these games. Like I'd put that up on a wall. Our culture wins games. I would put that on a wall and I would chain whatever that is to you, whatever that is to you in the professional world, right? Maybe you, it's not games for you, but man, if you were a sport team and you put that somewhere as you enter a building and it was big and people then would say, the question would then be, what is your culture? How does it win games? Why does it win games? Why is it? I'll tell you what our culture is. Like, and now I'm pivoting it to uh, to episode one. I'll tell you what our culture is. Our culture is we work hard and we give a winning effort in everything we do. We come every day with energy and enthusiasm and we are an encouragement to one another. We serve one another and we sacrifice for, the, for one another and for the program and for the community and for the team to win. And we have a high level of toughness and togetherness. That's our culture. And if we do those things across the board, then we win games and it doesn't matter who's here because our culture is larger than anything else. So you could put that on a wall. What is your culture? What are your values? What are your standards? How do you do things? Cause our culture is what is winning the games. So you look at, you know, the teams in the top 25 that are just kind of plug and play. You look at the team, uh, you look at the companies out there that you admire that are just crushing it. There's an energy, there's a vibe, there's a culture, there's a togetherness, there's a standard that is in place that wins them games no matter who is on the team, right? And so that was how I took all of this. And it was maybe something that triggered that thought uh, and that phrasing to me, but it was ultimately vulnerability, safety, trusting one another, patience, instilling confidence. But that all circles back to an environment that no matter what is going on, if we cling to that, if we cling to that, if we build on that, you get what you tolerate. You get what you emphasize. You get what you emphasize. Those are coaching phrases that I've stuck with me for a long time. So if I'm going to emphasize work and winning effort and encouragement and energy, right, and service and sacrifice and toughness and togetherness, if I emphasize those and if I acknowledge those when I see it, and if the if those are the things we to, that we don't tolerate anything other than that, that's our culture, and we're always going to win with those principles. We're always going to win. We're always going to win with those principles, right? And how do you do that with your sales team? How do you do that with building cars? How do you do that at Lifetime Fitness? How do you do all of that? Because we're going to win because of our culture. So... Anyway, I hope that that's kind of what, uh, and I, I don't have the exact link right now for this podcast where I took all this from uh, and what the, in my notes for the morning. Um, but that's kind of what hit me today. We are rolling in on my clock, my countdown clock here that I got as a gift last week for the podcast. I guess that's my first podcast gift. But please, um, uh, this isn't just uh, kind of just a narrative just to uh, get you to reach out and to connect with me. But um, people have been reaching out on LinkedIn. A uh, lot of new connections since we started this on January 3rd or January 1st to start the new year. It's been some great connections there. 
Um, some people reached out to me on Instagram recently, and we had some good back and forth there. Appreciate all those that have shared this. I think that everybody that has reached out to me on LinkedIn or connected with me on LinkedIn has been because somebody has shared this um, and shared my information. Feel free to do that. Um, and again, if you've made it this far in the podcast, listen, I really appreciate uh, what you've uh, the support that you've given us. And if you could just share this, like this, comment on it on LinkedIn or on um, or on Twitter, and then connect with me. And uh, again, if you uh, you know if you'd like a conversation on any of this, please let me know, and and I'll make sure to get back with you. Uh, but again, appreciate all the support. And um, this is our Tuesday recording, so look forward uh, to another one here on Friday. Thank you. I appreciate you listening.